Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. So the first brand in your life to have a great impact on you. By far, is it was it was Coca-Cola. Uh, there's no, no question... Um, no question about it, whether it was in Spain where I grew up or in Puerto Rico. And then both Burger King, uh, which was stronger in Puerto Rico where I was growing up than, uh, than McDonald's. We didn't have a lot of money at that time. And the first time that I went to a Burger King, my, my grandparents invited us. And I will never forget that day in, in my life. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. This will be a different kind of show. My guest today on the CMO podcast is Antonio Lucio who is simply one of the greatest CMOs who has ever lived. He began his career at P&G, spent 12 years rising at PepsiCo, and went on to the top marketing jobs at Visa, HP, and then Meta, formerly Facebook. Last spring, he was inducted into the AMA Marketing Hall of Fame alongside Mark Pritchard of P&G and Mukherjee of Pernod Ricard and Bozum of St. John, formerly of Netflix. Antonio is now the founder of 5S Diversity, focused on building capabilities in marketing transformation and diversity and inclusion. He is a board director at Express and VidMob and an executive fellow at the Yale School of Management. Antonio is a friend, and this show will go to places we normally do not explore. Spoiler alert, the dark side of leadership. Here's my conversation with a native of Spain, Antonio Lucio. Antonio, finally, welcome to the CMO Podcast. You and I have been in similar circles for a few decades. I was checking before you started at PNG two years before me, and we're in similar phases of our life right now. We both left corporate CMO jobs to pursue something we're passionate about. We're both affiliated with great universities, you with Yale, me with Kellogg. We both have grown children, and we both have one grandchild. That's right. <laughs> so I just want you to start with what's great about this phase of life for you? Uh, Jim, what's great about this phase is that um, I basically have the blessing of only working on projects that I'm, I feel very passionate about and frankly, spending time only with people that I want to spend time with. And that has... Uh, 
fundamentally changed my life. My wife, Ashley, will tell you that I spend as many hours working as I did uh, before. Me too. But I'm enjoying it. And um, uh, I made some changes, which means I don't work at 5 a.m. in the morning anymore. I don't work out at 5 a.m. in the morning anymore. I schedule I schedule my workout, you, you know, during the day when I when I when I have a, a different time slot. Uh, and it's um, it's just great. It's a great uh, it's a great time. Do you miss anything from corporate life? I do. I miss two things, Jim. Um, and I'm working on both. Number one is the getting out of my office yeah. and running into people and bouncing off ideas. Um, although I'm involved in boards, I'm involved in, in mentoring and teaching. I have a capability course and all that. It's... Um, that's the one part that I, I miss. And the other piece, and I never thought that I was going to say this, is uh, I do miss international uh, traveling. <laughs> I, I was a global marketer for many, many, many years. I've traveled the world pretty much like you do. Um, I don't miss the crazy uh, number of travels a year that I used to have, but um, getting into a different scenario with people from different cultures and different, uh, an, an overall different environment to try to solve big problems is something that I miss as well. I'm, I'm working on both, uh, of those issues, but overall I, I lived a very rich and meaningful life and I'm very happy with it. I'm the same with you. I love the international travel. I was doing too much of it, but I, I'm, uh, we have to be intentional. I think I have found in the kind of life we're in right now. I need to plan much more about how I'm going to get out. Where am I going to, you know, when I was doing this podcast live, I was in New York every week with people across the table. Now we do it all on Zoom. So, you know, getting into New York every week and sitting across the table from someone, you know, I would find other things to do in New York. I would appear at different places. I would I'd visit other companies. You just have to work harder at it because it doesn't happen as serendipitously as, as it did when we were in corporate life. Yeah. The other piece was, um, you know, when I was in corporate life, you like to think that you're managing your time, but you're not. No. You're following yeah. you're following a process. A rhythm. Yeah. You know, there's a rhythm. There's a annual yeah. operating plan, strat plans, people planning, uh, country reviews. Uh, uh, you know, the, you know, the drill when when you're not, you have to be I, I, I think the word that you use is the right word, significantly more intentional in the way that um you're spending your time. The other thing, Jim, and I now I get a lot like you, I get a lot of questions about it. I think you and I uh, follow the same approach, uh, which was by the time that we were done, we just amplify things that we were already doing. Yeah, that's right. It was not like we left the corporate world. Let me think about what I'm going to do next. And most of the people that I know that have gone through that Piece, they spend a year or two, sometimes even depressed about yeah, it. Yeah. Um, you, you had a plan. I had a plan. And, and, and we had planted those seeds way before, not the last year, way before what, when, when we, we left. And it was just about amplifying the stuff that was already there as opposed to figuring out what to do next. When you left Facebook about two and a half years ago, you released a video where you shared your wisdom of 40 years and it went crazy viral. 
and we're going to put a link to it in the show notes. I don't think anyone has ever quite done anything quite like that, Antonio. In fact, I was just the other day speaking to a very experienced CMO, and she told me she goes back and watches it every few months because different things occur to her. It sort of grounds her. And I just loved it. I I talked to you after you did that. It's so full of lessons, and it is profoundly personal. And you share what you call the dark side of leadership and its impact on you, your family, your health, physical and mental. So I'd like to go back to that video. And and the first question, Antonio, is why did you decide to do it? Uh, Jim, I I love our craft. Uh, I am profoundly proud of what we do. Um, You know, building brands that stand the test of times through hopefully teams that stand the test of time is, is something that I found a lot of meaning, personal meaning on it. Um, and, and my, my leadership journey was something that I devoted a lot of time and effort in it. Um, for many, many years, I was taking my different teams, uh, during the companies that I worked at, uh, to Aspen, to, to talk about the personal leadership journey and, and to be very intentional about the fact that being a leader is not techniques as to how to act like a leader, but it starts with you, who you are, what, what you care about, what is your purpose, not the business purpose, your purpose as a, as a human being. So uh, that was something that I had done um, with all of my companies all the time, sharing both my personal and my professional journey because they were indeed uh, integrated. So the moment that I decided to to leave the uh, the corporate world, I just decided to share with the world uh, messages and lessons that I had shared with my companies. So it was kind of uh, my little contribution for 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 the leadership for the CMOs of the of uh, of the future because I, I I do like you um, care a lot about our craft and the next generation of leaders within our craft, I just um, decided to focus a bit more on the on the diversity and inclusion angle of it and um, trying to bring more women and people of color to senior marketing roles in, in global companies. But that's the reason why I, why I did it. it. As I said, it's very personal. And was, was it difficult to go back? I, I mean, I talked to a lot of people who write books and sometimes it's a little bit painful to go back and retell a story that was hard at the time, or did it just roll off your tongue? The moment that I decided to do it um, and how I wanted to to do it, um, it just became natural. I've never I've never hidden away from from my story, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the extraordinary of it, and. Anyone that like you and and me that have been lucky enough to have long and meaningful careers, you go through all of it. You go through good, through bad, through ugly, and through extraordinary, all at the same time. Sometimes, even even within the same day. So, you know, I think it's very important to share that story because leadership is hard and leadership can be lonely. And there are amazing things about it. I will, I cannot imagine my life without being what I was, but 
acknowledging the fact that it's hard and that you can feel lonely about it and that you're going to have to struggle, that you're going to have to take stands, that you need to figure out when to take a stand, uh, that you need friends and community and you need mentors. It's something that we need to be a bit more open about it. Sometimes we, we place leaders in these pedestals as people who know it all, who have no fault, who have no weaknesses, that have no doubt or hesitation, and and that, and then and then we then we're all surprised when they fall. <laughs> you know, the truth of the matter is that we're home, we're all human being, and that leadership is just an extension of our humanity, and we have to embrace all of it. What's resonated the most from that video? What's been the reaction over the last two years or so? It, 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 it's been rather interesting because dif- different parts of it resonate with different peoples. The more senior you are, the more personal mm. um, emotional sides of, of the, the video resonate. The more junior people were more about a conversation that you and I had at the time, you know, the, the, the need for different leadership styles mm-hmm. um, at different times. The fact that particularly when you're outside of the consumer good world, most of your time you're leading from the what we call leading from the middle and leading from behind versus leading from the front. When you're in the consumer good world, you spend a lot more time leading from the front because you're a revenue generating function, because the P&Ls are, are, are built around uh, brands and or categories, because most of the CEOs are going to come from the revenue generating function of which marketing is one. Outside of the consumer good world, a lot of the time is you're sharing the agenda. Therefore, negotiating what's in, what's out, how do we measure performance, how we're going to resolve um, um, roadblocks becomes becomes very important. So the, the more, let's call it the more junior people that were seeing it, those were some of the parts that resonated with them. If you remade that video now, if we went into a studio to reshoot it two and a half years later, would anything change? No, I don't think um, I don't think anything anything would change. The key messages are the key messages because that's who I am. Um, I, I think there's significant opportunity because I uh, got lots of calls on. Can we double down on on this element? Um, when did you know that you were going through this particular phase? Um, I think it would probably. Um, would have been a series as opposed to one mm-hmm. yeah. exit uh, exit interview. Antonio, how do you recommend to young people today or rising in their careers on how they can study leadership? We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website, and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So, what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. 
Get started today at webflow.com. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMO succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. And become better leaders, advance their leadership styles. There are a lot of people at PNG who invested in that in me, both formal ways, informal ways. You had the same experience. You know, you were at Pepsi and PNG, both academy companies, to use mm-hmm. that term. Yeah. So what, how do you recommend to young people that they can do this so they they can develop their full leadership potential? So one of the biggest observations uh, during my 40 years in, in, in the business world, um, as I looked at leaders, uh, CMOs and C-suite and the CEOs that I was uh, privileged to work with, um, is that for the most part, successful people have four things going for them. I stumbled upon them. I did not have the system. And I was lucky enough to be able to have support on two out of the four. The first one is capability on two levels. The functional, which is the obvious one. And by the way, I don't, I have not seen a lot of need in that area. Most companies actually do that. Oh, uh, it's digital now. Let's bring some digital training. It's the metaverse now. Let's make the, it's data now. It's MarTech or AdTech or whatever it is. And we'll we'll do that. it's the leadership part that, that we're lacking. And even when there is present, women and people of color don't get their fair share. And there's ample data to support that. The second one is um, community. I don't mean community inside of the company, although that helps, but I mean community outside of the company. Uh, it is people that uh, have your job in other companies and or industries where you can reach out for best practices, for a perspective, um, for even avoiding the feeling of isolation that sometimes we feel the first time that we're, we've gotten um, uh, a, a leadership job. I mean, we have all, and I can tell you in, in, in my program, everyone's like, they have gone through periods where you literally look at yourself in the mirror and you go like, am I crazy? What, this, this does not make sense. And if you don't have that external perspective of people that says, actually, you are crazy, Antonio, so (laughs) move on. Or you have a point there. And by the way, I've suffered through that in my company. So community is really very important. Then the the third and fourth are related, but there are separate points, uh, Jim. Uh, Mentorship and sponsorship. Mm. And, and, And mentors, I define once again, have people outside of the company, people that get to know you really well, that get to know you as a human being. And these are the people that are going to give you the same thing. Perspective, best practices are going to ask you the tough life questions um, about purpose, about balance, about are you where you need to be given what you want to do. Um, and then the last piece is sponsorship. Sponsorship is inside the company. And what I found is like all of us, you, me, 
Indra Nui, uh, Sheryl Sandberg, uh, all the people that I had the privilege of working with had stretch assignments. Stretch assignments, by definition, is an assignment where your potential is much higher than your capabilities. Someone is betting on you because you have potential. You don't have the skills for this particular job. You're going to learn those skills. Um, that's what a sponsor does. A sponsor is not there to have coffee with you, although it's nice when they do. The, the sponsor is the one that is advocating for you. What I found out within my space is that when it comes to women and people of color, stretch assignments are called diversity plays. And it drives me crazy because by definition, if you're diverse or non-diverse, you are not ready from a capability standpoint for that job, someone is betting on your potential. So you're, it's not that one is a career development play, as we call them. I'm giving Antonio a career development assignment versus, oh, Jim is a diversity play. I did have companies, two great academic schools, like you said, um, PNG and PepsiCo that invested on my leadership journey. I did have sponsorship of people that actually gave me stretch assignments. I did not have a sense of community outside of my company. I did not have mentors. I found this too, Jim, on the last, let's call it my last quarter, my last 10 to 12 years. It started, the community started with diversity. So it was like I was getting together with a lot of the people that you know to talk about diversity, but it, that became just the seed. Um, and when I found both of them, fundamentally my life, not my career, my life changed. I became much more balanced. I enjoyed my job significantly more. I had more perspective. Um, I, and I, I, I no longer had the feeling of isolation that at some other points in my career I did have. So that's when I'm, when I'm talking to younger people, uh, that's what I said, you know, being intentional about building the four, the leadership capability, the community outside, the mentorship, and then the sponsorship. And, and, and you will be significantly more successful than, than if you don't. So you had two of the four coming up. When you think about sponsorship, it's a very powerful concept. Who was the most meaningful sponsor for you as a rising leader, Antonio? I had many at different at different points in my career, but I, I will have to go back to uh, Mike White um, at PepsiCo. He was the vice chairman of PepsiCo and became the CEO of DirecTV. And when I got sick, when I had to deal with uh, my bout with depression, he was the guy that, that told me, um, you got to keep going <laughs> and you need to um, create uh, a new set of behaviors and practices for you to get healthy. Um, he had had some family members that had gone through, uh, through it. So I was incredibly lucky and, and, and he pushed my, he continued to push my career forward. So when I, when I, when I look back, I've had amazing leaders. Indra was an amazing sponsor of my career as well. But I would have to say at the moment that I needed it the most, the one that trusts me, my potential, um, despite of, uh, of what I was going through, was Mike White. In the context of these four things you just shared, if I could 
wave a magic wand and Antonio Luzio of 2023 would be the executive coach of Antonio Luzio 2003, what would he work with him on? What would he tell him? I would tell him, um, trust yourself more. Everything is going to be okay. Even when you fall, uh, begin to build a community outside of your environment because it will make you stronger and your life richer and build relationships with mentors that are already around your life. And people tend to be incredibly generous of spirit. That's what I would be telling, telling, telling myself. I said in the introduction that you're a goat. You're a greatest of all time. You're one of the most remarkable CMOs who have walked this planet. So I'd like you oh, to. Oh, wow. I wouldn't. I, the, coming from you, it's like no, the I best mean thing that. I've heard in a long time. And, I, and the data supports it, my friend. It's just not just not my opinion. The data supports that. Uh, but I would like to know: Would you have done anything major differently in your career? And the answer can certainly be no. I mean, I I think that's probably how I would answer that. I I probably would I would have worked in Asia on the ground. I, it's something different I would have done if I did it again. Uh, but how about yourself? I would do it all over again. I would have just uh, been significantly much more aware and uh, I would have taken significantly better care of myself, much more aware of the signals of, of life and health. Um, but other than that, I, I would have done it all over again. I, I, love, I love our craft. Our craft is a very meaningful craft. It is under siege, um, particularly outside of the consumer goods world. And it is up to, that's one of the things that I keep hammering down to, um, to my community and, and to the people that I work with that we need to constantly renovate the value that marketing uh, can provide. And it's not obvious and it is significantly not obvious outside of the consumer good world. And I think that... Um, Sometimes we miss the fact that the reason why brands are important is because brands are the, the way to build sustainable businesses that stand the test of time. And to be able to show the impact of the work that we do within the scope of the business is more important than ever. And I think that outside of the consumer good world, we're, we're forgetting about that. We like to talk about brands. We like to talk about awards. We like to talk about creativity. We like to talk about can. We like to even talk about purpose. N nothing, including purpose, can be discussed outside of the scope of the fact that we fundamentally exist to build a business and to build a business for the long term. And I think, I, I, I think that's something we need to recapture. I totally agree with you. You've used the word craft several times so far on this show. Why do you use that word to describe what we do? I think it is the best combination of, of arts and science that I have seen of any of the, of the business function, perhaps outside of engineering. Engineering also has a, a, a very beautiful a creative side to it. Uh, and to me, the idea of, of being a craftsman, of, of doing things with excellent 
excellence, paying attention to every single detail of what we do is, uh, is something that, uh, that resonates with me very much. Having said that, uh, when you actually own the, the chair of the CMO, uh, being a craftsman is what makes you different, but being a craftsman does not earn you the seat at the business table. So that means that um, being fluent in, um, in the language of business, being able to, to talk shop with the CFO, with the board of directors, uh, even with in, uh, uh, inv investors, mm -hmm. uh, becomes uh, an impressive asset that uh, great craftsmen need to, need to be fluent of. What was the most memorable day in your career? Wow, it, it, I've I've been blessed with with having many wonderful days. I I think uh, I think when I was promoted to CMO for the first time um, was um, I wasn't. It was something that I really wanted, but I didn't dare to admit it to myself and especially others. Um, because I didn't, I didn't think that I had it uh, within me to actually, to actually do it. Uh, I remember that when I was approached the first time, my boss at the time, who was the president of the international division of, of, of Pepsi Cola International, approached me and I said, I don't think I could do that work, that job. And he said, why? I said, well, the, the person that had that job was doing it very differently. Um, than the way that I was going to do it. The, the fundamental difference was that he actually came in as a senior leader. I came from the bottom up. I knew country, two regions, global. Uh, so that my perspective was fundamentally different. It was like the global team as a service center of the field and not the other way around. So it was going to be a major, major shift And, um, and he looked at me and said, what you're missing is the fact that the moment that you own the chair, you own the agenda and you can play it any way that you want it as long as you deliver the business goals. Uh, uh, and and uh, after I was able to accept myself within the context of, of that chair, I, I, I think it, was, um, it felt like a great accomplishment. What was the worst day of your career? I think probably the the hardest day was um, I had just joined PepsiCo because I wanted to be a general manager like most consumer good guys and and ladies want to be. Uh, I had joined PepsiCo from Kraft uh, to do that sooner, and three months in there was a gigantic business meltdown, all the investments that the company had made, mostly in the international divisions, um, didn't pay out. It was hundreds of millions of dollars lost in shareholder value. And I was new to the company. And at one point in time, uh, Jim, the international division had over 150,000 people. Uh, 200 of us were gathered in London on one day. We were the only 200 people in the entire uh, division that knew that they had jobs 
And, um, and we have to reorganize the company, reduce headcount by 54%. I will never forget that number in my life. And then execute against that. And as a new young leader, I was faced with facing eight people in two horrendous days in 15 minute slots where you were going to tell them whether they were going to have a job and that was the job and they had 24 hours to agree to the exploding offer. The the second group of people were people that were in the in the transition mode where they may or may not have a job. And then the third group were people that were going to be let go that same day. And I was not equipped to actually deal with that. I, I remember our boss and they, they brought in specialists and to do everything in 15 minutes. I, 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 I told them I'm Latin. It takes 15 minutes for me to say hello. I, I, it, I don't know how, I don't know how, how I am going to do that. And I did learn that when you're going through thing, a situation like that, people on the receiving end only want answer to the question, what's going to happen to me yeah. now. And the sooner that you get to that answer, the better, the better you are. I, I think that was probably the, my darkest day ever. I didn't sleep that night. That was my hardest day. Sorry for the long-winded no, answer. It's, <laughs> no, it's, it's a very helpful story, Antonio. As you think about what your perspective on CMOs is pretty rich, right? You've been in the role in several companies. You've coached people. You have a company now helping others. If I were to ask you to describe characteristics of a fulfilled, successful happy, thriving CMO in 2023, what would those be? Well, the, the first thing is that um, a successful CMO is a business person first and a marketing craftsman or artisan second. I cannot underestimate that. Um, number two, um, it's a Renaissance man or woman, or uh, some people call it the Leonardo da Vinci model. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is someone that is as comfortable in his own skin with numbers and data as it is with, um, with creativity. In fact, the Leonardo da Vinci analogy is a beautiful one because he couldn't, he couldn't answer whether he was a mathematician or a scientist or, 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 or an artist. Everything was part of the same continuum. Um, I think that's needed more than ever, this division that we've artificially created, mostly outside of the consumer good worlds that you have the, 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 the creative people and then you have the data. It, 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 I'm actually banking that the new generation of marketers already comes with that because it's needed, it's needed um, uh, more than ever. The, the third is a global mindset. Um, this understanding that you know, through technology, we can access any country at any moment and that you have to leverage talent and trends and ideas from wherever they, uh, they come from. And that uh, mindset means that you feel very comfortable uh, dealing with cross-country teams, with people from different cultures, backgrounds, ethnicities, and the last piece, which I think is probably the the most important one, is the 
you know, the speed of change accelerates. So resilience will drive your life and your career. There's no question about it. You will fall, you will clean yourself up and you will keep pounding. That's the, that's the only way, uh, the only way to do it and to see um, uh, uh, failures as, as learnings and to see risk as the way things are and to, uh, and to be able to build um, uh, 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 characters through all, through all those experiences. That's kind of uh, my model. And Tony, I want to move to the creative brief, and I'm going to stick with the GOAT theme. So the first brand in your life to have a great impact on you. By far, is, it was, it was Coca-Cola. Uh, there's no, no, question, um, no question about it, um, whether, whether it was in Spain where I grew up or in Puerto Rico, um, although Puerto Rico became a Pepsi country when I was, when I was a teenager. And then both Burger King, uh, which was stronger in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm where I was growing up than, uh, than McDonald's. We didn't have a lot of money at that time. And the first time that I went to a Burger King, my, my grandparents invited us and I will never forget that day in, in my life. Uh, so those, those are brands that were very present. Greatest campaign or initiative you have ever, ever been a part of? I, I think probably I will have to say, um, in Visa, the the Go World campaign, which was a campaign that we kept it for uh, several, which had never happened before, several Olympic uh, Olympic Games, and uh, one of those uh, beautiful projects that build the business, uh, build the brands, and and, he, and even won some some awards on it. So it was a it was a beautiful it was a it was a beautiful work. The greatest leader you have admired, whether it's someone inside a company you worked with or outside? Oh man, I've, uh, I've had the privilege of working with, with many, um, early, early in my career, my first boss in, uh, in, in PNG Puerto Rico was uh, Carlos Rom. He's still around. He's a professor in the university of Puerto Rico. He taught me what marketing was. Um, I thought that I wanted to, I wanted to be a lawyer at the time. So he, he actually saw a potential in me that I didn't see in myself. So if I'm here today, I, I owe a great, uh, a great deal to him, uh, at, at, at Pepsi, uh, uh, you know, Craig Young, the, he's also an ex png uh, when I was working in, in Latin America, then, uh, Mike White, then, uh, uh, Indra Nui, uh, who was my direct boss for, for, for about two years. Uh, I've been, I've been blessed with many, 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 many great leaders that were right for me at the right, at the right time. There were others, um, Dion Wessler at, at HP that just allowed me to fly. It was almost like you do your thing. And, uh, and, and so, so yeah, I've, I've, I've had, uh, I've had many. And then, then I had the privilege of working with both Cheryl and Mark, uh, that I, I learned all, all sorts of other stuff as well. Greatest book you have read. Wow. 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 Probably Victor Frankl's man in search of meaning. Uh, I think the concept of logotherapy or, you know, Dealing with your traumas by working uh, resonated um, resonated a lot with me. The 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 story that man, even when it's stripped from everything, everything in 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 our life, we still have a choice in the way that we want to live and the way that we want to die. Uh, resonated 
a lot with me than I would have to say on the literature side of it, on the fiction side of it. Uh, love in, in times of cholera, Garcia Marquez, because I'm a romantic at heart. <laughs> love it. Greatest advice you have ever gotten? Stand up and keep fighting. Greatest advice you've given? Stand up and keep fighting? I think so. Yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know, clean yourself up and keep going. It's okay. It's it's okay. You learn a lot. You learn a lot on this one. You will, you you won't make this mistake again. Just keep fighting. <laughs> Greatest thing you're looking forward to in 2023? Keeping my 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 family healthy and happy. Uh, obviously, then I uh, on the on the professional side. Uh, I hope that our craft comes out of this challenging economic time stronger. And within the space that I'm focusing on, Jim, that I hope that as we're going through all the changes that we're going through, that the diversity, inclusion, and equity agenda that continues to be important from a business standpoint does not go back. And that's one thing that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm worried about. Are you hopeful, Antonio? Um, I hope I'm always hopeful. I'm a I'm a I'm a very positive person because I fundamentally believe that as individuals we can make a difference. I mean, I I've been in situations like that on deep macroeconomic issues, just like you have. We know exactly what we need to do. Um, so yes, I am I am hopeful. And by the way, I happen to think that the crop of marketers that we have. Uh, in our industry or CMOs that we have in our industry is a highly capable group of individuals. Yeah, if I use this podcast as any evidence of that, I talk to one every week and they are amazing people, almost without an exception. In different ways, of course, but amazing people. That's right. So listen, I've uh, taken you into some thoughtful questions. I'll, I'll leave it to you. Anything for me, Antonio, before we leave? Jim, I feel deeply... Uh, honored to know that although you and I do not connect very much, we are committed to the same causes. We've chosen different turfs for them. Uh, I just wish that um, we we had more time together and that um, maybe, maybe we pick one initiative in 2023 and and work at our together, just having the opportunity to bounce ideas for you, going back to your original questions of what do I miss, that would be a blessing for me. That would be something that I would uh, enjoy and cherish. We can make that happen, Antonio. So let's do it. Let's do it. There you go. <laughs> Public commitment here Excellent. in the CMO podcast, as it should be. Antonio, thank you for this conversation. And it's so good to see you and chat with you. It's been way too long, and this has been very renewing. Yeah, same, same, same to me. Always, always. Uh, and anyway, let's have a great 2023 and let's figure out how we work something big together. It's a deal. That was my conversation with Antonio Lucio. Three takeaways from this one for your life, brand and business. The first one, I love this. Antonio's four most important characteristics of a CMO in 2023. Business first, marketing second, renaissance person, global mindset, and resilience. I can't argue with that. Those are the four things that are so powerful and so important for every CMO today. Second takeaway, the importance of having a community and mentors outside your company. Antonio reflected honestly that he did not build this as he was rising up 
in corporate jobs. And when he discovered that and started building community and mentors outside the company, his job became richer and he became a better leader. Third takeaway, when I asked Antonio what advice he would give his younger self, he was very quick to say, trust yourself more and take care of yourself. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.